0: composing the mind and body together at this point this moment one pointedness right. bring them the mind wanders is thinking about things bring uh, it to the breath to the posture the nada sound this is this as a so the you're, this sense of being fully present with the way with that which is happening now, not thinking about tomorrow, getting caught up with plans for the future, memories of the past, but this grounding, touching the earth, the physical body, bringing that as as a basis for practice, the heavy condition of a human body, a useful uh, object, course, it's heavy, it's uh, very much present, and so it's very useful as a foundation for mindfulness, the physical body, your own body. You're looking at the body now in an intuitive awareness, not as a, uh, not as a, some kind of uh, personal thing. You can, if you want to look at, you know, an anatomy charts, or I'd go to the library. You find beautiful colored charts on anatomy, physiology. You can see where the liver is and the kidneys and all the rest. But in terms of this right now, the, the liver is here and now, the kidneys are here and now, the blood, the skeleton, different organs, the heart and the senses. You're reminding yourself that this, this physical body is like this, it feels this way. So you're, you're uh, You're with the body as it is rather than analyzing it in an abstract way or just ignoring the body as if it doesn't matter, can't be bothered, or seeing it in a personal way. My body is like this. The breath. Encourage this attitude of relaxing into the breath. I have to find ways that, that help you. You know, like your know, your kind of character. Each one of us has a different uh, character tendencies. Or so this is where the what we call upayas are necessary. You need to develop skillful means that work for you. Just my way of doing everything might not work for you. So, I mean, it's not that it's wrong or that, or that there's something wrong with you, it's just that this, uh, what I'm sharing and talking about from my own experience has worked for me, uh, knowing the kind of character I have. And this is also important to, to develop skillful means that, that help you to be mindful, not just copy somebody else or just put your faith in somebody's uh, super technique of meditation, but to really uh, you know, contemplate what helps you to, to pay attention, to be mindful, to be present. So I find, like, relaxing into the breath is a useful way of looking at, rather than concentrating on the breath. Concentrating on the breath puts me in a different attitude, where I am doing something, rather than observing something. You see the difference, isn't it? I have I have to concentrate on the breath, and I'm doing something, which brings up the kind of compulsive uh, habits i have the sense that if i have to do something it triggers off uh, a kind of tend- uh, a compulsive tendency that used to be very 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 strong in everything i did so to counterbalance that so that, that i'm just not being caught into that endlessly I, i like relaxing into the breath and just with the sense of just being here with my breath, the body, breathing. And I, I find it easy to concentrate on the breath in that way. The sweeping practice, uh, sweeping through the body, the sensations, of just using the body as a, in a kindly way, you're just observing the tensions in it, the, the, the feelings, pleasant, painful, neutral sensations throughout the body, just relaxing the body will relax. When you pay attention, when you are mindful of your physical body, your body feels happy. This is my experience I anyway. Mean, my body, if I really do sleeping practice for a while then it seems like my body seems very happy at the end of it. Say I'm happy or the body's happy? The body, you know, realize I'm not the body. Body has, seems to be uh, have its own intelligence, and it's happy in its own way when it when it's accepted and recognized, respected, allowed into consciousness, rather than just exploited, ignored. <coughs> Criticized. Like I used to do with the boy. Criticize it, ignore it, exploit it. <laughs> Uh, the breath has a definite form, doesn't it? Inhalation, exhalation. And the body has its form, the human form, the, sh- the shape of the human body. Feelings have this kind of Physical feeling, vedana, has the pleasure, pain, and has a kind of uh, its kind of form and movement. they so talking about forms, conditions, and the sound of silence. The not is like formless. It's like background. like space, as it is is formless, immeasurable. Contemplate this, this sense of infinity. As you kind of listen, tune in to the scintillating nada. So it's here and now, and each one of us is in this position of knowing these as they are, this Buddha knowing the Dhamma, this relationship of knowing to its object, direct knowing, not knowing about, knowing it's this way. Uh, just to get accustomed to direct knowing, knowing directly the way it is, rather than having to put a name onto it and say and analyze it and and rational make you know rational explanations about it and justify it according to science, uh, reason, logic, and all that that kind of thing. This direct knowledge isn't dependent on that. It's a, it's insight. Intuitive, direct, here and now. So, when we chant the, the the characteristics of dhamma, we say santitiko dhamma, apparent here and now. Say, santitiko with a poly word for it, apparent here and now. Say, What's apparent here and now? <laughs> They start doubting. but if you just intuitively reflect on this moment, the body's like this. That's apparent here and now. The body, the physical body that you're that's sitting here on this mat, apparent here and now. Dhamma, santitiko Dhamma. Breath. The Vedana, the feeling. They are what they are right now. Painful feeling, whatever, if you're feeling pain apparent here and now, it's it's Dhamma rather than my pain, how can I get rid of it? And you get carried away into personal uh, attachments and identities with it. But now we're, we're getting away from the self view of experience into seeing things as they are. The Buddha the direct knowing of the way it is. The a sound, apparent here and now, <clears throat> akaliko dhamma akaliko timeless where modern society is a very time obsessed society clocks and calendars and everything is scheduled and put into, into the categories of time but dhamma timeless so there's, when there's awareness this pure awareness is a kind of timelessness it's not you're going kind of, if you this is this is why it is intuitive when you think about it you, you can't get it try to figure out timelessness with your mind with your thinking mind if you just awaken that pure pure state of attentiveness, as you begin to relax into just being aware in the present, it's timeless, it has a timeless, seeming timelessness to it. It's here, it's now, timeless, akaliko, Well, when you think, what you, you're getting caught up with the conditioning of your mind about, uh, you know, the perceptions, the language we use, memories of the past that arise in the present, and and concerns about the future. What what do I do after this retreat? Um, what's going to happen with the Y2K? We have retentive memories, so so that we remember things that have happened in the past. So, but a memory arises in the present, doesn't it? The past is a memory that arises here and now in the present. So your whole past, you know, is uh, you know whatever you think of yourself as a as a historical person. Continuous in time. I was born 1934. Before I left, Amravati, was secretary there gave me my birth certificate, a xerox copy of my birth certificate, and it has my little footprints on this birth certificate. My feet were little then. that's a memory isn't it a memory something recorded in the past that arises in the present a whole CV isn't it is is just memory arising in the present. So memory is like this, in not Memory is anicca dukkha nata, it arises, ceases. Uh, it is, you know, its ability to remember is a great gift, but to attach to memory is, is just a, an endless kind of suffering for us, because we, we hang on to memories of the past. When in, in the reality of the present, a Kaliko Dhamma, it's just something very fleeting. The memory is, has no real core to it, no essence, no substance. It's sort of like a phantom or a specter or a shadow. And yet a memory can, can trigger off an emotion. One can get really angry about something that happened 20 years ago just by remembering it. So in contemplating Akalika Dhamma then it's just seeing the memory is something that arises and ceases in the present. So we're noting the present, the present, the timeless present, and memory is arising and ceasing in the present. So this way of reflecting on the past is a memory in the present. Then the, what is the future right now? Right now you're sitting here in terms of experience, Akali dhamma at this present moment. What is the future? What is tomorrow, right now? In terms of Akalika Dhamma, it's don't know, isn't it, what you don't know. The future is the unknown. The don't know Dhamma. When, when Ajahn Chah and I went to England or London the first time in 1977. The, oh, the, the second time, second time that Ajahn Chah came in 79. I was it the first time? <laughs> I think it was the first time. Anyway, the, uh, 1977. The, that time, uh, the president of the Buddhist society, the famous uh, Christmas Humphreys, was still alive, very famous written books on Zen Buddhism. High court judge, very dignified, aristocratic, impressive man, came to pay respects to Ajan Chah at Hampstead, the place we lived in in London. So he, and I had to translate for Christmas Humphreys, and so he said, well, we'd like to invite Ajahn Chah to the Wisaka Puja celebration, which is the full moon in May, and uh, we're having it at Caxton Hall, Big Hall in London. We'd like uh, Ajahn Chah to be the honored guest at this Wisaka Puja. Would the Venerable uh, Sir please uh, accept this invitation? So i translate this. And Lung Pot Cha would say, the future is the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> and Christmas Humphreys didn't quite get that. They, <laughs> he said, well, you know, is, is he going to come or not? You know, just... Uh, and so I... It persistent, and Ajahn Chah just smiled and said, future is the unknown again. Finally, uh, Christmas Humphrey said, well, uh, I will send my car uh, on that day. And, and so during, between that time and several weeks, uh, he phoned the uh, Mihara and said, is Ajahn Chah going to come or not? We want to make plans. We want to, make plans. They want to uh, print uh, uh uh, a kind of brochure and, and let everyone know that this famous meditation master from Thailand is going to be there and we have to know definitely. We want to be sure that he's there because we're going to invite people and we have to get all this done before the day, get the word out. Ajahn Chah was insistent on holding his position features the unknown. So finally uh Christmas Humphrey got, 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 was quite exasperated and he said, Surely a great master can decide something. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway on the Saka Puja Day at the time that that the you know, the Christmas Humphrey sent his uh, car, Mercedes Benz sedan, chauffeured. So I came to the front of the vihara. I went. I told him, uh, "Lungpa, I said, uh, Lungpa, the, the car here to take you to the Caxton Hall for the Misaka Puja celebration." He said, "Okay, let's go." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good example of, of just a future, the unknown. Isn't it? We, 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 are, we are so uh, obsessed with trying to plan everything, certainty for the future. Is he going to come or not? You know? mm-hmm. Promise, make a promise, guarantee the future for me. Uh, that's what we're asking so much. And then we worry because what if, what if he doesn't come? You know, he's told people he's coming and he doesn't come. It'll, you know, it'll be disappointing. and So we, we worry. Uh, we speculate. Maybe, maybe he won't come. Maybe he <laughs> will. Uh, or we hope. Or well, I hope he comes. Or we, we dread. I don't think he'll come at all. I think he probably thinks we're a bunch of idiots and doesn't want anything to do with us. I don't think he's going to come at all. Anticipation. But all these these functions of the mind that we use, like worry, anticipation, hope, expectation, speculation, are all about what we don't know for sure, isn't it? It's about the unknown. Might be. It could very well be. Uh, I hope it will be that way. I fear, a dread that it is going to be a fiasco, be terrible. These are what we produce in the present about the future. So you're noting this. Apparent here and now, Santiko Akali Ko Dhamma. You're noticing the way it is that the future in terms of the reality of this present moment is the unknown. Timeless uh, Upanaiko, encouraging investigation. No, Ehipasiko rather. Ehipasiko, encouraging investigation. So, Ehipasiko Dhamma is, that's the encouraging investigation is a bit of a, is, is a isn't a very inspiring translation for that because it's more direct. It's like, Ehipasiko is uh, come and see, it's like an invitation. Right now, look, pay attention. Ehipasiko Dhamma. So Ehipasiko, is come and see now. Dhamma is now, don't, it's not, it's, uh, don't put it off till tomorrow. Because we already know tomorrow's the unknown. Tomorrow I'm going to investigate the Dhamma. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> you'll never you'll never get enlightened if <laughs> if you if you think like that and believe it. Uh, A is Now, you look, investigate, watch now, see it right now, look, it's this way. Opanaika Dhamma. Opanaika is, some people interpret leading inwards or leading onwards. There's this sense of, of of looking inward, you know, looking directly, and it a has uh, this sense of immediacy. Because in and in and out, these are words that, like when when we, we're used to looking outward for things, you know, looking outward to find something. Uh, looking inward, sometimes we use the word look inward, look at your heart, look at your mind, is an encouragement to, to kind of introspect rather than to go out and look for things out there. So, I mean, it's, it's a helpful to think of like introspection or looking inward, that Dhamma, even though eventually it's not a matter of in or out, Everything is Dhamma now, and then the last one is Bujjatang Weetipopo. We knew he to be experienced individually by the wise. It's characteristics of the Dhamma. Bujjatang. You have to. It's a realization for you. You have to see it yourself. It's not. Not a belief that you adopt because the great master says so or because it's in the scriptures or anything like that it's, it's budget tongue it's known directly you know the taste of honey when you've tasted it you know that it tastes like this you know Dhamma because it's it, you've, you've seen that there's a scene of Dhamma direct knowledge it's it's the insight. It's the So it's not a matter of, of of believing somebody or disbelieving them. It's once you know, once there's that knowing, and then it's, it's unshakable. It's, this is the way it is. You know it. It's not an opinion or a view. It's an insight understanding Dhamma, enlightened mind. So in this reflection on Dhamma we say, santitiko, akaliko, ehipasiko, opanayiko, vajjatang, veitidapo, vinyuhi. These are the what we refer to when we contemplate Dhamma, the way it is. So the Buddha is the ability to Awaken, the awakened mind in the present, the Buddha knows the Dhamma. Now these are refuges, aren't they? The Saranang, Kachami. I take refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dhamma, refuge in the Sangha. Uh, I remember the this, this the simple act of awareness. It's not. It's not. It doesn't take uh, years of training to be aware. You'd be dead by now if you never were. If you were heedless all the time. Uh, it's a. It's kind of a self-preservation. It's necessary to be mindful, but in a in a society modern society modern society is uh, arranged to, so that we can be heedless as much as possible because when you're heedless then you, you become vain and and greedy and you spend your time making lots of money and spending it and that keeps the the Free market going. You can, well, I can make you really greedy, vain, and greedy, as much as possible, and convince you you need all kinds of things that you don't really need. And then you'll spend your life making lots of money to buy all kinds of things you don't need. And, uh, and it's a society that will kind of. Uh, Give you the security to be able to do this, because, say, on the level of survival, uh, you know, in, in countries or places where people just on the edge of survival, they they have to be mindful, a lot more mindful, in order to, to just survive, get enough food for the, for their families. Just uh, you know, like I was in the last October. I was, trying to go to Mount Kailash is in this northwestern part of Nepal uh, and to fly in there's no road into this area and a trek in the on the borders of Tibet and all these little villages people just surviving. you know life is, is pretty tough. A level of luxury and comfort, hardly anything I could see. The people had a kind of brightness to them. They? They, they weren't like miserable uh, people that were, you know, just in a terrible state of mind. They they seemed quite alert and intelligent and. Uh, you know, that were living to survive. They, their lives had meaning because they had to survive. They had to get, grow their food at a certain time before the snows, and they had to learn how to store up things and keep things through the winter to feed their yaks and their families, and so forth. So The kind of intelligence they're operating just for survival, but well, these people, I, they were depressed. They didn't have therapists. <laughs> but it's a hard life. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's not that one's recommending going back and living like that. But, but recognizing that that, uh, that modern life and uh, uh, middle-class existence really allows us to, to degenerate, spiritually, emotionally degenerate, and, and it will carry us along. With, we, can, we can get by was being totally selfish. So, so then the meditation is beginning to recognize the advantage we have, like living here in California, and because it is a kind of stable and affluent place, we can devote ourselves to meditation more, to to awakening the mind. Because our lives aren't just spent on level, of trying to survive, get enough food for the, for the day. But this attitude of, of, of you know is, is one of, a parent here now being really, really learning, watching, listening, paying attention to life, other than than uh, spending a lot of time worrying or regretting, resenting, feeling guilty about the past, or putting all your hopes into the future. Tomorrow, uh, next year, that's when it's all going to come together for me, I hope. Maybe it won't. Well, I won't think about it. maybe I won't be. I will be successful in the future. Power of positive thinking. Maybe I won't, but I will be successful. (laughs) (laughs) And so then, then you are successful in the future. Next year you become more wealthy than Bill Gates. And see if that answers your problems or just to to learn to trust in the awakened awareness in the present this is what I trust in this is where it's at it's now, apparent here and now timeless, encouraging investigation leading onwards to be experienced individually by the wise Because as you learn to trust in your ability, the simple act of attention, paying attention, listening in the present moment, learning to sustain that, and and being patient with it, because you you know you get, you, you go through doubt and restlessness, and, and the Navars easily take over. This doesn't seem like anything. Uh, what a, I can't just ignore the problems that I have at home. And, and What am I to do about this in the future? These are important issues. <laughs> <laughs> and so easily how very intimidating our emotions. But we're not dismissing. We're not kind of suppressing or rejecting, but we're recognizing the way it is that these are conditions in the present arising, ceasing. Rather than believing, attaching, taking, you know, endlessly worrying, uh, making up issues and problems and scenarios about the future getting caught in, in resentments about the abuses and unfairness of, of your past life or your guilt about the foolish things you've done in the past you know, people can feel really guilty because they, they did foolish things or not very skillful things in the past or even bad things And then you can spend the now just feeling guilty about it. But apparent here and now is seeing that that guiltiness is a condition arising, ceasing in the present. Memory. It comes from memory, isn't it? Feeling of guilt is because you remember something in the present. So that which knows in the present is your refuge. Not the not the the view or the memory. Don't take refuge in the memory of the past, but be the knower of the memory. Be in that state of knowing rather than becoming someone with memories who feels guilty because you made uh, you did foolish things in the past or you resent you filled with anger and resentment because in your past, you weren't treated right. You were abused or treated, or life has not been fair to you. So you become, you become what you grasp. You become somebody who is angry and resentful, or you become someone who is guilty. But the way out of that, being uh, becoming these these kind of conditions, is through awareness. It's the simple attentiveness that's available to us every moment.